I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast, where it is time for another edition of 3 for 3. That's right. Three BamaOnline.com staff members taking on three topics as we get you ready for the Crimson Tide's massive matchup with the Longhorns of Texas coming up Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And with that, we bring on Clint Lamb. Clint, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Travis, how are you doing today, brother? Great. Cannot complain. It is midweek. We are inching closer to this highly anticipated matchup. I'm sure Jimmy Stein at this point. Jimmy, you about to come out of your skin at this point, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, this is the game we've been talking about for a year. I mean, I hate no disrespect to Middle Tennessee, but this is the game we've been talking about the entire offseason, and uh, it's here. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to get right into our three topics. Really, there are three questions uh, that we'll get into, and we'll start with Jimmy on this one. Jimmy, most important defensive player for Alabama this week. And so, in an effort to avoid duplication, by the way, we'll essentially do this like a draft. And Jimmy, you are on the clock with the first pick where this topic is concerned. Bryce Young. No, no. Okay. First <laughs> pick for the for this topic. Okay. Uh, you know, my answer is different than it would have been a week ago. Maybe a week ago, I'd have gone in a different direction. But with Alabama's uh, defensive backs banged up, uh, I'm going to go Terry on Arnold here. And the reason I think Terry on is – the most uh, vital player this week is Texas's best player, Xavier Worthy. Uh, he's the guy you really have to defend. Alabama did a great job a year ago on Bijan Robinson, the guy you had to defend a year ago. This year, I think it's Xavier Worthy. Xavier usually, not all the time, but usually Xavier Worthy lines up in the slot. So you might have thought I'd go with Malachi Moore. But with, with Alabama's defensive backs banged up, we don't know exactly who's going to be healthy and available. But assuming one of the two safeties can't play, whether it's Jalen Key or Malachi Moore, a very good chance that Terrion Arnold's going to have to be full-time star this week. Uh, the only way Terrion Arnold is not full-time star is if Malachi Moore and Jalen Key are both healthy. We don't know what the odds of that. But even if Arnold has to stick at corner, it's still he's still going to be a vital player. You're going to have to slow down the Texas passing attack. But I'm going to assume – that uh, that Terran Arnold is going to spend a lot of this game at star. That means he's going to be matched up on Xavier Worthy a ton. Uh, and, and it's just critical for Alabama's defensive backs to have a big game. Worthy's not their only good receiver. Worthington, A.D. Mitchell, uh, the tight end is, is, a, is a, a premium prospect for, for the NFL draft. And it is sort of even in the Brock Bowers neighborhood in terms of how good he is. But, uh, but Worthy is the guy that you can't let beat you. You can't let Xavier Worthy have the Jalen Hyatt-type game from a year ago when you play Tennessee. You can't let that happen. So my answer is for the critical defensive player of the week, it's Terrion Arnold, uh, who I suspect is going to spend a lot of the game uh, covering Xavier Worthy and trying to hold Worthy to just a, a, you know, a handful of catches and under 100 yards. 
Yeah, you, you think about a stat that you would take right now if you're an Alabama fan, and that's the offer that Quinn Ewers and the Texas passing game had in passes of 20 yards or more in their win over Rice last week. I think you'd take that one right now, guys, an offer uh, in the deep ball for Quinn. But, Clint, who do you got? Where are you going with this one? Yeah, I think that Terry and Arnold is a great selection. Uh, he certainly would have been up there for me, and I really don't think that it matters whether he plays star or outside because, you know, Xavier Worthy is kind of one of those Alabama, Jerry Judy, uh, you know, Devontae Smith styles of player where he gets moved around a lot in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. He's going to play outside. He's going to play a ton in the slot, which Jimmy alluded to. And so it, Terry and Arnold, it doesn't matter if he's playing, you know, left cornerback, which is match up, matched up against the right receiver. That's something that, uh, you know, Xavier Worthy has played a lot. But for me, since Jimmy drafted Terry and Arnold first, I'm able to pivot and go to my the, the two players that I was debating. I would say really there was three in there, but I'll go with Deontay Lawson because last week he was so critical to Alabama's success as far as getting people lined up, as far as getting sideline to sideline. He's become a really good player and one of the best linebackers in the SEC already, and if he continues to trend in this direction, I think he's going to be one of the best linebackers in the country. But when you talk about he won't be lined up on Jatavian Sanders uh, every snap, I think it'll be kind of a collective effort, you know, to, to stop any sort of dynamic tight end. But he's certainly going to be a part of that. And and Sanders, his ability to create mi create mismatch problems for defenses, I think is something that Alabama's going to want to to keep an eye on. Uh, and so I would probably go with Deontay Lawson, his ability to stop the run, Cedric Baxter. The, the five-star freshman running back who got the start last week against Rice, he got a little bit banged up. There were some question marks as to whether or not he was going to play in this game. He returned to practice yesterday, I think, so it looks like he is trending towards being on the field. And if that's the case, I mean, uh, you know, Texas has a couple of other really good running backs too, and Jonathan Brooks and Jadon Blue and, you know, Keelan Robinson. But Baxter is kind of the, the game changer at that position. A guy like Deontay Lawson and the importance against the pass, but also he's got to be able to, you know, get in there and stop the run. So I think he's going to play a critical uh, role in the outcome of this game. Yeah, you kind of outlined returning running back production from last year's matchup with Bijan Robinson, Rashawn Johnson. Uh, but it was it's Keelan Robinson, the former Alabama back, uh, that had the lone carry by a returning Texas back uh, in that matchup in Austin, and that one went for minus two yards. I like both those picks. I love the Arnold pick because of his versatility. Uh, Deontay, I think it goes without saying the different ways that you can use him and his ability to cover, but also bring pressure from that inside linebacker position. He is unquestionably the every down guy as an extension of that storyline. Do we see Jihad Campbell this week trying to get back from that knee injury? He could be very important in all of this as well. You know, I thought about James Burnett for defensive player. I know he's a punter, but he could certainly help that defense. Uh, with his ability to uh, flip the field or uh, provide field position that's favorable to Alabama in a couple of different ways. But I'll go with Kool-Aid. You know, I think Kool-Aid, when you look at these Texas receivers, which you guys have done such a great job of outlining, it's not just Xavier Worthy. Even Jonte Cook, a freshman that is with Texas, can cause some problems for you. But uh, it starts with Worthy, Whittington, uh, more of an inside guy, I would say. Uh, they line those guys up at multiple spots, though. And then A.D. Mitchell, because of his size, you know, and Kool-Aid's not a small corner, but A.D. Mitchell is 6'3", 6'4". So you got to deal with that aspect of 
of receiver play from him. I'll go with Kool-Aid because if he can match up and really take care of business and man coverage, that'll help Alabama in some other areas if they feel like they want to add a defender to the box. I don't think Alabama should need to add a defender to the box to slow down the Texas running game this week. Uh, but you can maybe roll some guys to some other areas of the field and coverage too. Uh, that can help you from that perspective. So I'll go Kool-Aid. I like the two picks you guys came up with uh, as well. No doubt about that. Let's move on to X factor for the Alabama offense in this one. Clint, you're going to get us going with that one. Now, when I say X factor, I, I mean, it could be an Alabama offensive player. It could be an aspect of the offense, you name it. So Clint, what do you got for us there? And there's so many critical pieces to this. I do think that Alabama has to, uh, be able to run the football effectively and they need to be able to do it. Uh, you know, if, if Texas is able to stop the run and they're able to commit minimal numbers to do it, Alabama's in for a really long day. They have to be able to force defenders into the box. If you want to create those openings downfield, like you got last week, I mean, a lot of the success of MTSU's defense was just selling out for the run and being very aggressive in the blitz packages and things that they were sending at, at Alabama that created a situation where fans are concerned about the offensive line. I think that's more – I understand the MTSU does not have even a fraction of the, the defensive talent that Texas has, but the things that they were doing schematically is not something that a lot of your bigger programs are going to commit to doing because of how susceptible it makes you as far as your vertical passing game and things like that. So even though MTSU didn't have the talent of a Texas, I think that what Texas is going to have to do to make sure they have all their bases covered and not give up those explosive plays downfield – uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do the kind of things that MTSU did. They might on a few plays, uh, but as far as that kind of being the general approach to the entire game, I highly doubt it. So I think that Alabama is going to be able to run the football fairly effectively. This is a big defensive front for Texas. I mean, Sweat, 6'4", 360-plus pounds, kind of looking like a Terrence Cody out there, but he's a lot more athletic than Terrence Cody. Uh, and But they got a lot of other players, Alfred Collins, Byron Murphy, uh, Ethan Burke is kind of a guy who I would say is, has been a better pass rusher than run defender up to this point, but he certainly made strides. And I thought that he showed some good things against Rice. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see exactly how much Alabama is able to have success running the football. I think they're going to be able to. I think the offensive line is going to look a lot better. I think the fact that you've got the home crowd at your back certainly helps in this game compared to last year. Um, but if they can have success doing that and establishing the run, than everything else, and, and you know, you, you saw the vertical passing game. You saw the success on the ground to some degree. You know, the commitment is certainly there to having success on the ground. But can you do the other aspects, the short to intermediate stuff, to complement those two things? Uh, you know, I think Texas will try to force that if possible. But if you can run the football, that's going to open up pretty much everything else. What about it, Jimmy? Which direction are you taking us in with this one? Yeah, real similar. Uh, you know, I'm not not parroting uh, uh, Clint, but but to me, the X factor is the offensive line for Alabama. They they've got to uh, play better than they did a year ago. Let's be honest. The first three quarters against Texas a year ago was sort of a mess up front. Uh, they didn't they didn't uh, create consistent. You know, Jace McClellan had the 80 yard run. Alabama's run totals uh, minus the McClellan run were dismal, dismal. Frankly, uh, Alabama had almost no success except springing the one big run, which ended up being a, a huge difference in the game. Uh, they've got to get a better push up front than they did a year ago in the run game. And they've got to protect the passer better. Bryce Young uh, in the first three quarters 
uh, last season. Uh, you know, he, he, he didn't have a lot of time back there. And, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, I don't know if it was the offensive line, uh, you know, putting it together for one quarter. I think it was more like Bryce Young stepping out of the phone booth and wearing a Superman cape in the fourth quarter, really. Uh, I think it was really a tribute to Bryce and not the offensive line coming together. So it's really a better performance from the offensive line. Not, And I'm not talking about a better performance from Middle Tennessee. I think Clint made a lot of great points about how Middle Tennessee was defending Alabama. I think when, when I rewatched Alabama game, I was actually – more impressed by the offensive line than I was initially. I think when you watch the the tape, you don't see a lot of breakdowns. There wasn't a lot of uh, Alabama linemen getting whipped or beat. I mean, it did happen, but it wasn't often. For the most part, those guys blocked uh, uh, did their job really well. Uh, it's going to be a, a you know last week was a hill. This week's a mountain uh, in, in terms of what they have to block and who they have to block. But they've got to get better push on the run game than they got a year ago. And they've got to protect Jalen Milrow because as good as Milrow was against Middle Tennessee, he's not going to be Bryce stepping out of the phone booth and wearing a cape in the fourth quarter. That's not fair of anybody to expect of Jalen Milrow and only his third start as a college football quarterback. So uh, that's what I'm looking for uh, this weekend from Alabama is a much improved performance from how they performed a year ago against Texas. Yeah, I think we're all three basically in the same neighborhood, even if we're not on the same exact street with this one. Essentially, we're talking about Alabama and the run game. And for me, the X factor will be Jalen Milrow on design quarterback runs because we didn't really see that against MTSU. He scored on a broken play off a bad snap. He scored off a zone keep, uh, which MTSU, as you guys have talked about, the way that they were playing – they were begging for it, you know, and, and we saw it from Tyler Buckner too, when he was in there. So uh, I think Jalen Milrow's legs and not just on scrambles or extended plays. I think you're going to see Jalen Milrow into the double digits in carries this week. And I think that's going to be because that, that's what they're going to need uh, because Texas is, as you guys have talked about more than capable in that front seven of slowing down Alabama in terms of, the running back centric approach to the run game, but can it account for Milrow and that extra blocker in the run game? And, you know, you think about Texas, I think about scout teams, right? As we move through a week, Malik Murphy's not a bad guy probably to have running your scout. If that's your choice this year, this week, how about Arch Manning playing Jalen Milrow? Uh, you know, apparently <laughs> what they told us, Jay, uh, Arch ran like 27 miles an hour on a touchdown and a scrimmage. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm going to go Jalen Milrow as uh, not just an X factor because he's the quarterback, but specifically uh, what I think he's going to be asked to take on in the run game this week. All right, a true or false for you guys as we wrap up here. And we'll start with you, Jimmy. True or false, for the second year in a row, Alabama-Texas will come down to a kick. <laughs> uh True. True. I think it will come down to a kick. I really do. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't. I'm not necessarily predicting that Will Reichard or Burt Auburn will end the game uh, with a kick that's good or bad that decides the outcome. I'm not going to be that specific. Uh, that that's just setting setting myself up for for failure. But I do think that it's a three point type game. Uh, either way, I, I, and, and I think a kick early in the game could decide it. Uh, a kick in the second quarter, a kick that's four minutes into the second half that you think is innocuous. It's not, 
because any game decided by three points or less came down to a kick, uh, assuming Reichard and Bert Auburn both get opportunities, and I think they will. These defenses are very good. They're going to be very tough in the red zone. Uh, I think Alabama's will. I expect Texas is to be. I wouldn't be surprised if each kicker got three or even four opportunities in this game, and whoever misses, it could be the difference in the game. So my answer is yes, it's going to come down to a kick. It just might not necessarily come down to a kick that ends the game, but uh, I, I, I'm predicting a three-point game this weekend. What about you, Clint? True or false on this one? I don't. <laughs> um, I've gone back and forth. I, I got to admit, guys, I was pretty committed to going into this week thinking I'm going to be different. I, I think that this is a potential statement game for Alabama. In some ways, it's got some similarities to Georgia versus Oregon last year, where it's early in the season. It's what, number three versus number 11 or 12. Georgia had lost a ton defensively. Everybody's like, this game's going to be put on the quarterback shoulders and Stetson Bennett because you don't have that elite defense to lean on. You don't, you know, there's some question marks with the run game and the offensive line. So, in, in Oregon, now there's some differences. Like Bo Nix, it was his first start at Oregon. He was still getting used to his weapons. He ended up having a fantastic year last year. Would that game have played out the same way if it would have been week six or week seven? I don't know. But just Georgia took that opportunity early in the season to really make a statement that carried them throughout the rest of the year. And when I look at Alabama, what they're trying to do and the identity that they're trying to have, which is bully, dominate up front, uh, you know, we've seen some really good teams on paper, like Washington in that college football playoff game against Alabama. Great team on paper. I mean, Vita Vey, they had Buda Baker, Jalen Catalan. That's a guy who kind of reminds me a little bit of Buda Baker, where he's very, you know, kind of all over the place, very downhill, very aggressive. Uh, and Alabama went out there and hit them in the mouth. And so part of me, I thought I was going to say that Alabama was going to dominate this game. As I've really dove in, I, I looked at the Texas uh, Rice game. I've been watching that. The offensive line, I'm not as concerned, or, you know, Texas offensive line, I'm not as concerned about that as, you know, you hear that there was a lot of pressure given up and, you know, they had some trouble moving some guys in the run game and things like that. And this returning offensive line, all five starters. Uh, I think that it's just an early season kind of thing. And you would think that that unit would be a lot closer to being complete because they have all played together before, but they got some new pieces in there, um, you know, and, and, and have kind of mixed and matched a little bit more. And so I'll be curious to see how this game ends up playing out. I'm not going to go as far as to say that Alabama runs Texas off the field, but I do think that this is an opportunity to make a huge statement and to announce yourself as being back as the old Alabama and against these types of teams that look good on paper. They're sitting there, you know, borderline top 10. You know, they're going to be coming to the SEC. They're trying to build that roster to fit into the SEC. But Alabama, I could seriously see them absolutely running Texas off the field. But at the same time, you know, I don't think that Quinn Ewers is going to have the kind of success with the vertical passing game that he did early in, in last year's game. Uh, I mean, that was kind of an anomaly. Like, I never really saw that in any other game that I watched from him. I will be curious to see how much they try to attack Alabama vertically. I don't think it will be as easy as it was last year. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll see. But I, I, I think Alabama will cover the spread. I will put it that way. But I won't go as far as to predict a blowout. I'm kind of leaning with Jimmy here. I think both these kickers are more than capable. We saw it in last year's game, and Jimmy talked about it. It's not always when you make a kick or miss a kick. Think about Auburn's miss 
late in the first half of last year's game. I think that Will Anderson was maybe credited with a block on that one. He was was asked about he was asked about it after the game. He's not, I didn't get a hand on it, (laughs) but regardless, that was big. That was like a 20 yard chip shot. So, and then you think about the 52 yarder that Will Reichard made early in the game in the first quarter in Austin a year ago, you forget about that one, but in a 20 to 19 game, what you remember is the one he made with 10 seconds left the 52 yarder. If he doesn't make that one, then where are you at at the end of that game? So absolutely. I agree with Jimmy from that perspective, I just think it's going to be more of a grind. I don't think it's going to be 13 to 10, but I do think both these kickers are going to have opportunities like Jimmy does to maybe go three or four uh, attempts into it on both sides. And explosive plays will obviously play a a big part of it uh, in it and, and who has success in that area. I think for Alabama, it's all about surviving the script because, you know, Sark's going to have one and it's, it's going to be pretty good. He was and in so his bag it, last week against Rice. I mean, that yeah. every week he brings it. And and that was probably mild because it was Rice, you know, kind of yep. like Tommy Reese with the A-Day game plan last week for MTSU. And you get it. Totally understandable. So survive that 15 to 20 play script of Sark and then, you know, see where it takes you. But you're not going to see Hudson card this time, guys, regardless of what happens. Because Hudson, he's a starting quarterback at Purdue these days. Doing a little research this week. Um uh, how about that? Hudson following the, I guess, is it the Drew Brees Parkway from Austin, Texas <laughs> to West Lafayette? Because uh, that's where Hudson Card is. It's, it, it's interesting, though, for both teams from the quarterback position uh, because you like the guys that are going to open the game. But I, I think both feel pretty good about uh, depth at that position because it, it obviously has been a factor in these last couple of meetings. We've had those what if games uh, for Texas and you know, maybe we'll we'll find out what'll happen if if a Texas starter actually goes wire to wire against Alabama Saturday. It's so yeah, and, uh, go ahead. Yeah, y'all made uh, Travis made a great point about uh, Sark script. One one other thing about Sark script: Sark practiced against Nick Saban's defense for a couple of years. Nick runs a unique defense that's almost unique to the rest of college football. His his famous cover seven defense. It's not what everybody else runs. Sark saw it for two years in practice. I think that's one reason Sark had some early success against Alabama last year is Sark for an offensive coordinator probably knows Saban's defense as well as anybody in the sport because he's seen it more than anybody else. So I think that makes Sark's script even more dangerous than it is most Saturdays. And I think we Alabama fans know in particular how good he is. So uh, it, it is something to watch for. Uh, Texas's early success. And I really think in so many ways, the game Saturday could play out similarly to last year in terms of Texas getting off to a good start, but Alabama eventually winning the game because they're a little bit better at the line of scrimmage. And Clint, this isn't just about Sark. This is a Texas staff, Bo Davis, uh, really go throughout the list, even from a support perspective, deep ties to Nick Saban in Alabama, right? Yeah, Kyle Flood there with the offensive line. I mean, this is – and you can tell. I mean, this roster is built like Alabama would try to build a roster. And, and, you know, Kirby Smart went to Georgia, and he did something very similar. Uh, You know, just defensively, the fact that they've gotten so much better up front, I think they're more prepared to come into the SEC than they have been in – I mean, I can't tell you how long. And I think that that's encouraging for them from that perspective. I do think that 
you know, when you look at the individual matchups, uh, you know, Texas wide receivers and tight ends versus Alabama's defensive backs, Quinn Ewers, I don't think is going to be able to have the success vertically that he had, you know, early on in the game last year before he got injured. But I do think from a down to down basis uh, or down to down perspective, he's a lot better of a player than he was last year. I think he gets it more and just the weapons. I mean, Isaiah Nair, you know, when he transferred in, he was expected to be one of the the better receivers in college football, and everybody expected him to be like the number two. But guys, I think he's like wide receiver six or seven for Texas right now. If that tells you anything as far as the depth in that room, the different options that they have available, uh, and Jatavian Sanders being that big body matchup problem in an offensive line that you know, uh, you know, returns all five starters and and has some leakage issues last week, and I do think that Alabama is going to try to exploit that you know, with what they have. And they got a, a couple of really good pass rushers. I mean, at least two. I mean, obviously, we, we've known that or know now, I guess, that Quandarius Robinson is emerging as a third uh, in a very specific role. But I think that for Alabama in these types of games, the main thing, can Quinn Ewers handle the pressure of everything playing in Bryant-Diddy Stadium against that defense? If you can commit to stopping the run and forcing Texas to be one-dimensional, you couldn't do it against Tennessee last year. You couldn't do it against LSU. You lose both those games. Can you force Texas to be one-dimensional and force Quinn Ewers to be this you know, generational quarterback that everybody predicted when he was coming out of high school? And if they can do that, um, I think Ewers does have some success, but I think there are some moments, some exploitable moments that Alabama can take advantage of with maybe some turnovers and you know, positioning the offense with good field position. If they can do that, I think that Alabama's got a really good chance to not only win this game, but win this game you know, pretty big. And and I say pretty big. I'm not saying it's going to be a 27-point game. I'm saying that you come away saying Alabama was clearly the better football team on Saturday. So it, it's it's such an intriguing matchup. Um, it, it, Certainly on paper, definitely think it's going to play that out that way. But Alabama's home crowd, I think, is going to be a huge difference on Saturday as well. Yeah, that's the counter to Sark's script, is that it is a concern, but it will have to be performed and carried out in front of what should be just a nutsy crowd at Brian Denny Stadium on Saturday night. Well, guys, as always, appreciate you taking the time to join us here on 3 for 3. Great work from Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein. We got Charlie Potter, our senior writer, doing outstanding work as well. And what a huge recruiting weekend that you want to check out there on the roundtable with our site publisher, Tim Watts, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings on the recruiting side of things. They're going to get you up to date, up to speed, as it happens right there with us on the roundtable, our premium message board at BamaOnline.com. For Clint, for Jimmy, Travis, thanking you once again for joining us here on 3 for 3 on the Bama Online podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.